Welcome to Doc to Doc podcast. My name is Abbas Shafi, gastroenterologist. And I'm Rob Hoyer, medical oncologist. This is a podcast about lifestyle medicine, disease prevention, and longevity. This podcast is provided for informational purposes only. It is not medical advice. Please consult your physician for individualized therapies. Hi, everyone. Welcome to episode 11 of the Doc to Doc podcast. Today, we'll be talking about functional bowel disorders. First, a few housekeeping items. We have a, we're very happy to report a new website we have uh, created. It's called doc2doc.health. That's D-O-C, number two, D-O-C, dot health. And there you can see all the episodes and also leave questions and subscribe. So when there's a new episode, you'll get a get an email or your choice of communication for, for um, notification. We're really excited to talk about uh, the topic today. And this is something that is a little different than what we've talked about before. A lot, a lot of the diseases and conditions we've we've talked about are very serious uh, disorders like cancer or pancreatitis. And um, today's topic is a little different. It's called a functional disorder, and that's a disorder characterized by symptoms, but there's no actual uh, disease or uh, condition that's identified. It's uh, in, in fact all these con- all the functional bowel disorders are marked by normal uh, endoscopic uh, procedures and normal testing. That does not mean they're not real. The uh, individuals with these conditions have real symptoms. And I was really uh, interested to learn, and we'll all be able to learn about management of these conditions via lifestyle medicine. And this is an area that it's a boss's uh, specialty. So I'll, I'll let him kick it off. And thanks, Rob. Uh, the Irritable bowel syndrome, as well as functional bowel disorder, is one of the most common uh, visits to gastroenterologists. Uh, worldwide, about um, 5 to 10% of people suffer from this disease, and possibly based on the region, um, from uh, uh, 20 to 45% of the gastrointestinal um, visit is due to one of this uh, form of uh, disease. Even with that, we only see probably the top of the iceberg um, on uh, this uh, uh, this disease. Um, so, um, so it's a very common. Um, it, it is uh, can be from mild to moderate to disabilitating disease, and um, the 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 key um, diagnosis of this you have to exclude. Um, the other disease that and, and that can be mimics uh, um, functional bowel disorders such as um, malabsorption, let's say celiac sprue, or colon cancer, um, bowel obstruction, inflammatory bowel disease. Uh, all of this have to be excluded. So, so when a, a patient present to uh, his uh, or her uh, physician uh, and uh, complete. Uh, History is the, probably the most important thing, as well as physical exam, and based on the age, um, um, deciding what has to be done. Uh, this is commonly is below age fifty, so um, and it, it, this is a, a chronic condition, and unfortunately, I will go to more detail on this. Um, the patient they will um, go doctor shopping from one doctor to the next one, and unfortunately. Um, because of not knowing the underlying theology, end up doing unnecessary um, surgeries um, such as hysterectomy, um, GYN surgery, 
um, gallbladder surgery. So, so it, it is a, a very common, um, uh, and uh, and uh, the key diagnosis is to exclude the, the alarming symptoms, and we'll go through that uh, in more. Do you think these conditions are marked by a, a normal? Well, we, we consider them; they have a normal workup. We exclude other conditions, but. Do you think that perhaps we just don't know how to define them? For example, there it may be an anatomic or an abnormality that we just can't identify yet. A possibility. The majority of uh, this um, one is is worldwide and um, is based on the culturally as well as uh, some of the, but maybe ten um, percent of these due to post infection. Um, um, we have a subset of patients that they know exactly. Um, you know, they had to travel and out of the country. They got, to, you know, bacterial gastroenteritis, and and after that, the symptoms started. So some is associated with that. Some also with the um, the, the uh, psychosocial stressors. You know, uh, today in particularly in our environment, see separation from, you know, divorce or 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 trauma in childhood or. Um, Many other things can contribute. The exact etiology we do not know, um, but uh, uh, but but there is subside of them that can be um, related to uh, to stress situation, lifestyle, diet, and uh, and as as well as I mentioned, uh, sometimes due to uh, bacterial and sometimes viral uh, infection in the gut. It just seems that this is screaming microbiome abnormalities or, or or dysbiosis, as we call it, which is abnormalities of the microbiome. That's kind of be a, a corporate factor as well. And some people, um, and what's worked for one person does not work from the other individual. So uh, when a person presents to their, their physician, um, there's some key question I think that they should um, um, they should be prepared to ask the question. Um, you know the, the the key things a good um, history. One, they have to um, give the when they started, how they feel. Majority of this problem is done during the day, and I tell my patient when the conscious wakes up, um, that's the gut's um, awareness awakes, and then based on what they're eating and their body position, um, very seldom. Uh, this this has a, a nocturnal symptoms. That's that's one of the alarm. If somebody has um, symptoms at night, uh, then you have to make sure there's nothing else going on. And of course, as I mentioned, the age of onset, majority of these are below age uh, uh, 50. And then you look for other alarms such as weight loss, um, uh, whether it has uh, blood in your stool, the blood in your stool, look at the appropriate history for um, the infantile bowel disease in the family, colon cancer, uh, malabsorption such as celiac. So you need to exclude um, all of those. So after a good um, um, uh, history and physical exam, um, commonly the, the physician will order some basic blood work, which is commonly done uh, starting with uh, basic blood work based on the age. Uh, as we get closer approach to 50, we do more diagnostic tests. So at the beginning, you would do what they call a CBC, a complete blood count, and a CMP, which is a chemistry, as well as you do a celiac uh, uh, spruce uh, serology uh, because um, that um, today's uh, many people they think uh, they have gluten sensitivity mostly IBS and diet will help with that will get to that as well and sometimes th- and female thyroid abnormality you do that 
If it's persistent diarrhea, you do a stool study to make sure there's no infectious etiology or in the blood in stool. Then, uh, then, then after a basic uh, uh, routine, you can trial it and the diet. And diet is very, uh, very different from individual to individual. So, so in general, we uh, uh, the um, the common uh, functional body disorder is IBS, which is mostly a chronic disease. And these people can be predominantly diarrhea, constipation, or alternative. So, so based if uh, the symptoms it is, the diet can be uh, completely different. But people with um, um, what's that diarrhea sometimes the fiber can cause them have more diarrhea, while people with um, constipation may improve that. So, so you have to individualize the diet. Uh, but um, once you can try to give a diet, but if uh, they do not improve, then then. Uh, for the testing, such as a, like a colonoscopy to rule out inflammatory bowel disease, colon cancer, and then if it's persist, uh, uh, maybe um, SCT enterography or uh, an X-ray of the abdomen to make sure there is no um, other uh, etiology for the symptoms, and then um, then um, then you will see uh, how the patient does and. Uh, as I mentioned, uh, this is a, a common disease throughout the world. Uh, about five to ten percent of the population in, in the world suffer from this. Uh, majority they are less than age fifty. Um, to exact diagnosis uh, is uh, somewhat challenging, but there is a criteria called Rome criteria, uh, which has uh, developed to help the the diagnostician to help to diagnose that. And this is. Um, this is very simple. One is uh, you have to have at least one day per week uh, for past uh, three months having um, the symptoms, and uh, and following one of these criteria. Number and the other thing has to be one the constancy um, of the stool has changed, and the other one is a frequency two or more of that uh, that uh, can help us to, to the diagnosis. So. Uh, when uh, you diagnose a person again, you have to go to some alarming um, symptoms. Number one, if they're above age 50. Second, weight loss, rectal bleeding, fever, nausea, vomiting, abdominal pain, uh, that uh, especially not uh, related to the bowel movements, diarrhea, particularly if we're waking from sleep, anemia, um, recent uh, travel. Um, so all of this... Uh, uh, are the symptoms that uh, are commonly um, alarming for the for that? As uh, I'm going to recap the uh, the the test that we can do um, uh, again: CBC, CMP, thyroid, and celiac and stool study is the first role. The um, if they close to age 50, we do a colonoscopy. Um, then, if the patient persists, um, X-ray or CT scan of the abdomen or an upper endoscopy. Other um, uh, thing that uh, through the time that you have to rule out is like lactose intolerance, which is a, um, uh, we can do a breath test um, as well as um, SIBO or called bacterial overgrowth, um, as well as the, you know, the source study for infectious um, um, etiology. The treatment of uh, uh, this Again, it's um, based uh, on the individual. There is no single diet will help individual, but but you have to um, get a, a diary of the diet and frequency of their meals and what they're eating. 
uh, unfortunately, majority of people with IBS, they do not eat uh, uh, frequently. So they try to avoid eating, try to avoid going outside. And then when they eat, then subsequently, and they the these symptoms can be can be worse. So so um, so frequent small meals, um, stress management, avoiding the triggering food. Um, sometimes some of the patients they uh, get worse with uh, high fiber, um, but um, drinking plenty of water, um, exercise, getting adequate sleep, stress management uh, helps a lot with the mild to moderate cases. Certain food like high gas forming food and gluten. Gluten, even if the gluten test was negative, sometimes limiting or decreasing the gluten can help with most of the people with um, uh, with uh, with their symptoms, particularly if they're gas and bloat and diarrhea. Um, other people, um, there's a diet called Funimate diet that, that certain carbohydrate that produces a lot of fructose. Um, and lactose and other things that can um, help them. Um, and many patients, they, they will try it and simply get tired of it and they go back to other things. So, so there's, there's not exactly one treatment for, for everybody. What about dairy? Do you find that dairy has an impact eliminating it? or we, we'll, we always give it a trial, particularly okay. people with gas and bloat and diarrhea. So, okay. so, so dairy and, and gluten probably has been the most studied and um, they can, and particularly dairy is, um, if you look at the human history uh, or um, any mammalian history, only humans, they uh, eat milks and from other uh, animals. So, so, and depend how the, the, you consume the dairy. So commonly, uh, raw cow milk is probably the, one of the most, and when you ferment it to cheese and yogurt, sometimes change the texture and that can be sometimes people benefit from it and um, uh, if it's milk from the goat or, or sheep is even more tolerated because they have plenty uh, lactase in it so so it's individually some people they cannot mm, tolerate at all uh, no no dairy products and it based on the cultural and genetic background as well so we know uh, some american indian or chinese and this has not adopted as much, so so there will be more more uh, intolerance to that. So people actually be who's tolerance to the milk. So more European, they are they can tolerate because of exposure to that more. So so yeah, that's one of the things. And again, um, gluten we exclude the celiac, but our excess of gluten, particularly with the way we make the gluten today, and combination with dairy, sometimes cause um, severe um, symptoms. So. Um, so those are all uh, um, sort of the f- for mild to to uh, to moderate cases can be beneficial. Abbas, what other medicines or or treatments have you found successful, and do you have any case examples you can let us know about, or or su- things you things you found successful in some of your patients? Um, some of the, uh, as mentioned, it is not one treatment fix for everybody. I think. Uh, um, talking to the patient, getting an accurate history of the dietary intake daily, and in particular in colorado hydration, I start with the basic um, uh, treatment. That's number one is um, drinking adequate uh, hydration because that's I think one of the uh, key factors. Um, uh, that secondly, um, uh, avoiding processed um, food, um, so uh, particularly 
um, uh, substitute sugars. So, so having a good meal plan throughout the day. And then uh, another thing is, is a, a toileting. Calmly, when you eat a meal, you you get the stomach that sends the message to both gallbladder and 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 colon to empty, and a lot of people get severe spasms. And it's very important to, to go to relieve, even if they have bad months, it's not important to release some of those those uh, spasms. So um, other um, basic uh, remedy, of course, uh, um, biofeedback and uh, stress management. And, and some studies uh, um, in, in Asia showed that abdominal yoga and meditation um, can be a sort of a help. Then once we establish that, then we look at uh, people like, for, for example, constipation, uh, introducing some fiber like psyllium or any um, fiber supplements. And when you're taking the fiber, it's very important that have adequate water. In the first few days, you may get um, more irregular than, than, than you need, particularly with people with constipation. That um, helps um, a lot, especially if they're not taking adequate fiber in their dietary things. With the constipation, uh, with uh, also laxatives like such as magnesium um, or uh, mineralax, which is polyethylene glycol, can help. For those people that associated with conditioning, they worry that when they go somewhere to get diarrhea, sometimes over the counter uh, um, anti diarrheas like ammonium, particularly people, they they're, these are mostly very functional people, and if they have to give a speech or they have to travel through the plane, they're really worried about their lifestyle. So we ask them to use an anti-diarrhea to get them through that uh, stressful situation and may, may not need it uh, at home. Um, then if that uh, persists and the symptoms does not get improved, there are many anticholinergic uh, um, like uh, bentil um, or disaclamate for severe spasms when they go to episode. Um, and this you have to uh, um, to uh, to warn the patient that that can cause blurry vision, so they do not take in and drive, and and each person is uh, uh, different. Um, uh, other um, thing for anti-diarrhea, sometimes you use uh, uh, cholesterol, which is bind to the bile salt, particularly for people they they have um, um, gallbladder out and causes um, their diarrhea, so it binds to the their bile salt and cause them better. Then after that, we'll get to the uh, tricyclic antidepressant or SSRI, if this is associated with anxiety or depression, or these are for moderate to severe uh, cases. So we, we, we incorporate those. And at the same time, we, we try to get some psychological um, uh, help as well, as well as biofeedback. Um, other medication has been tried recently is um, like Lyrica or Gamopentum. But truly the treatment of this is starting with lifestyle modification, stress management, diet, but but in the severe um, cases, um, uh, these are for modern and severe cases, we have other medication like Lotronex, which is uh, Alocetron and um, uh, Vibrizi, as, uh, as well as sometimes we'll try for, if you worry about the have bacterial overgrowth, we use Zyfaxin, we think that if this has to do with uh, gut flora, uh, other medication for constipation, uh, we use Ametiza or Linzes, which is increased the fluid uh, uh, released from the small intestine, and that can help them with uh, with uh, their uh, with their um, symptoms. These are particularly for people with constipated um, uh, constipated what uh, 
uh, a type of the uh, the uh, uh, IBS. You mentioned something called abdominal yoga. Could you describe what that is? This is more used in um, in East than than in, than than in United States. So so because of the gut and brain relationship, this is one of the major possible cause of IBS, and maybe that's post-infectious is to do with inflammation of the gut and nerves. And by doing um, deep breathing and relaxation, it may be able to, uh, individual, it doesn't work for everybody to re- to relax the gut and respond to the food and other things. And 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 there's certain people that can Google the abdominal yoga used in India, Sri Lanka, many other countries. It is a, a part of the treatment. And, and for some people, it can help with um, preventing the trigger mechanisms and and be able to sort of uh, uh, decrease the acute spasms. For severe cases, maybe a part of that, but may not be um, uh, the treatment. Other treatment that has tried the, the the alternative medicine. People that have tried um, is hypnosis, um, peppermint. Um, many studies has done and. Uh, I'm from Iran, and this is mom's remedy for any kids' tummy aches. So anytime you have tummy aches, come home, they give you some a drink of peppermint, ask you to lay down, and usually by the time you wake up, uh, your tummy aches is gone. So um, sometimes we use a short course of probiotic, which is very popular these days. Um, probiotic and Israel bowel syndrome is not a long-term treatment. I know many people have used it for many years, and so in newer study shows if you try it for four weeks and it's improved as a, if it's not helping in four weeks, then it's very expensive and you should not um, um, continue that. I think the, um, the stress reduction by any means of whether it's yoga, whether it's um, tra- traveling, but we have many patients that they, when they're traveling or they're, and, and the situation, the situational thing is not there, they go to say, I go on trip, I eat, many food that doesn't bother me. Then I come home or I go to work, everything bothers me. So those are the trigger things. So so we know there's a huge gut and um, and uh, a mind relationship. So 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 those are the important things that uh, the individual can do. And then then if it doesn't work to, to communicate with their physician for appropriate uh, uh, medication. Could you comment a bit about the, if there's a gender predisposition to IBS? Yes, uh, IBS affects uh, almost all the individuals, including children. And um, worldwide, uh, between 25 to 45 million, uh, uh, actually in the United States, uh, between 25 and 45 uh, million suffer uh, from um, IBS. Among this majority study shows in Western culture, particularly in the United States, two out of three are female. Um, however, some of the other countries um, they have they have done a multinational studies, um, like for example in Sri Lanka and India, male female ratio is, is much much closer. Um, so so and and some countries the male is predominant. But in Western culture, particularly the patient that we see here, majority um, uh, are uh, uh, female. And um, on average, as I mentioned, about uh, at least uh, twenty five to forty five percent of the visit that we see in our clinic. Um, are related to uh, IBS. And among all of these, these are very few people, they they seek uh, actually help. And unfortunately, 
because of the persistent symptoms, they shop around and and possibly is. Uh, I think one study shows between 47 to 55 percent of people with IBS they get unnecessary um, hysterectomy or ovary or gallbladder surgery. Um, and again, this is, uh, we mostly see moderate to severe symptoms. Most people with mild syndrome they think they are allergic to a certain food and and um, and certain um, things and they, they deal with it and and that's really affect their psychosocial is one of the number of causes that children are not going to school or not going to work um, effects on their uh, economic uh, uh, factor on their traveling so the social uh, psychosocial impact is, uh, is is significant one of the key recommendation don't change from one drastic diet to the next because the GI tract is super sensitive if you are uh, a vegetarian suddenly don't go eat the fatty meals or when you are fasting don't start with the big meals because those are the thing that causes sudden release of um, many uh, chemicals in the gut and causes spasm one of the perfect uh, example uh, uh, one of our nurses that she, she is very healthy and, and and vegetarian she is very aware of her gut stuff like that it was her birthday and her parents asked her to go for a birthday party to uh, one of the local restaurants and father he says you know you're smart, you're a nurse, you know, you always worry so much about your diet. Today's your birthday, you should elaborate. Let us buy you a cheeseburger. Let's have fun together. So she, she ate the cheeseburger and they said, well, you have oh. to have some fries. And then, of course, they, they, they brought, uh, there was that, uh, uh, the cake for the, for the birthday party and some oh, ice no. cream. So, so when she was coming um, uh, from Denver to here, the middle of the, the, the road, she developed the worst severe experience of abdominal pain, nausea, vomiting, diarrhea. So it's such a shock to her system that actually she had to be hospital for several days to get rehydrated. And then they did extensive mortality defend. And then when I saw her, I said, well, guess what? This is, you, you, you maybe tolerate those as a child, but you have went to such an extreme diet. Now these all become a trigger food. So, so sometimes people have to be be aware of the, the certain condition and don't jump from one to the next. They may tolerate, but they need to introduce these things slowly. So, so, uh, so unfortunately, this is a very common disease, affect many, many people. And, um, and the key thing, you have to rule out anatomical or etiology that you cannot, you know, I've seen many people, they told them they have irritable bowel syndrome, they end up having Crohn's or ulcerative colitis which is more of an inflammatory uh, disease, or they've had gallstones, or the most common is missing celiac, uh, which is easy to be with a diet. And um, so, so you have to uh, exclude uh, the, the thing, and, um, and um, these are the people that you need to spend time and, and uh, time so for prevent them from getting any complicated surgery, and, uh, and, uh, and hopefully you have a long life plan for it. And I would just add a quick note to our listeners. If you're interested in an overview of the microbiome, you can listen to our episode on that. It's available on the, on the podcast list. So besides IBS, are there other functional bowel disorders? Yes, um, we see many uh, um, GI symptoms um, that, uh, that beside the clonic uh, symptoms, and I'll go through some of them. One of the, I'll go from anatomically, down so sort of really can uh, uh, clear some of this one called global sensation which is uh, people feel like choking um, and uh, this is 
probably one of the most common most people have experienced once or twice in their lifetime when you get the bad news or your stress um, your voice changes and and um, this is people have, have frog in their throat stuff like that that's for some people that can be very very severe um, and uh, and they will have a cough uh, at the time sometimes they have um, choking on, on their own saliva so that's one of the uh, global systems the other one is um, esophageal spasms esophageal spasm com completely can be just a, a spastic uh, things I tell patients like is a, uh, like a charlie horse in your leg or, or leg spasms and when you experience the pain 10 out of 10 and you go to emergency room you can do CAT scan MRI but it's all normal what the feeling is true but there's you know we do um, endoscopy other things and there's nothing there or, or, or a softgram but esophageal spasms is uh, um, similar things um, when you get to the stomach uh, cyclic nausea vomiting um, or chronic nausea um, um, that is uh, another thing particularly these days we see that a lot with uh, uh, daily use of uh, uh, marijuana and cannabis particularly the edible types and that what it does um, causes uh, a gastroparesis which is uh, slowing down the stomach empty and then when that get overwhelmed they go to this uh, nausea and uh, vomiting uh, uh, episode and sometimes comes chronic nausea uh, um, some uh, patients they get biliary uh, spasms which is um, spasm of the gallbladder and they think that's uh, you know says well my mother had gallbladder disease my sister had and must be there and they go end up with uh, um, they do HIDA scan and if it's marginal or uh, not all of them but some of them they get uh, the gallbladder out and then consequently then they get diarrhea um, so uh, these are uh, um, the, the common um, uh, things that we see in 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 the in in the, in the GI tract, of course, the bloating post meal is a, is a is a is a sort of more like IBS type of symptoms, and that's again with due to diet. Uh, majority of these things have to do again with hydration, diet, um, and um, stress. And as I mentioned, post infection about ten percent of these things have to do a post infectious. Uh, um, etiology which is about well, 50% those through the time they resolve and we don't know the etiology that could be the inflammation and body response to the to the infection which is on the stool studies on labs um, they are gone but probably is a, a very subclinical inflammation that affect the, the neurons and the neurons is like um, herpetic neuralgia that be the end skin the, 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 all the vesicle and all that is gone but for, for many months you will feel the sensation of that area I think similar thing happened to the gut in those post-infectious and people that it's a 50% where times they get better but some day is a chronic lifetimes um, uh, symptoms yeah just a fascinating overview thank you so much for that and it's uh, it, I, I learned a ton and it's uh, particularly the lifestyle medicine both the uh, uh, for the um, the treatment and also theoretically could help um, prevent some of these conditions perhaps by just having having a regular uh, varied regular but varied diet and just having a just listening to your body I think is, it sounds like a, a common theme here and um, there's no no not it's not necessary to go on an extreme diet or go or make huge changes it, again it takes months for the sometimes weeks to months for the 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 gut to 
um, accommodate, adjust, adjust to a to a new diet. So changing yeah. changing weekly or even biweekly is way way too frequent to change your diet significantly. Small changes are okay, but big changes, changes right? And and what I tell my patient, what you're feeling is true. The patient, the symptoms for them is true, and everybody looking for a structural abnormality. We can fix you know, ulcers, we can release the bowel obstruction, we can treat Crohn's, we can treat osteocolitis, we can remove the cancer or bowel obstruction. And everybody believes they have something that mimics that, but unfortunately, it is a more of a spastic, and I call it invisible disease. So, so you have to eliminate what they think and by elimination and then come to a conclusion, this is a functional bowel and based on the person's symptoms and with multimodality, hopefully they will have a, a good functioning life and they can cope with it. Thanks everyone for listening. We'll put some info and some articles in the show notes. And once again, if you have a comment or a question, and feel free to check out our website. It's doc2doc.health. And uh, yeah, we'd love to hear your feedback. And if you have a few minutes, please drop us a review and uh, it helps others to find the podcast and the search algorithms. Thank you very much. Have a healthy life.